Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the JKWD podcast. I don't know where that voice came from. I don't know. I'm not as constipated as I sound. We're doing (laughs) fine in that area. And we went to poop in the first 15 seconds. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) What? You did. Maybe you were just so energized by the conversation <laughs> by the guest we just finished. Yeah, it was all. It, it, you know, I think, I think um, my body heard about the food and the coffee, and it, it could like, have been it. it. Just, uh, yeah, just, just, um, just obsessed. <laughs> just overtook your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Something. Anyway, um, we're gonna have a great show. We talked to Matt Javitt uh, from Passport Joy. Uh, he and his wife, Nikki, have taken a few years off of professional life to go travel the world, and you know, they're, they're doing some blogging and some podcasting, and they recently launched a docu-series on YouTube uh, about the barbershop experience in a bunch of different places, so uh, plenty for you to catch up on. We'll have all that, all the links to that in the show notes at jkwdpodcast.com. Uh, but first, we should tell you that we're brought to you by Audible. Audibletrial.com slash jkwd for your free audiobook, your free month at Audible. You can text jkwd to 500-500 and they will shoot you that link quick so that you don't have to type it into your smartphone browser. You could, I don't know if you're interested in traveling around the world with a backpack, you could get Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. Um, it's a possibility. Kelvin, you got a book? I do. I do. And and after talking to uh, this gentleman for a long time, this man's got a lot of energy and energy for life and uh, some really good stories coming up. Don't don't let that whole barbershop thing think you make you think it's going to be a, a boring episode. Yeah, no. Um, I just looked at the clock for the first time, and and he's he yeah we must yeah, we've been, run about an hour and twenty hour and twenty five with him yeah yeah that's a great conversation coming up but anyway yeah. the book I have to recommend is called the Energy Bus Ten Rules to Fuel Your Life Work and Team with Positive Energy and I got to tell you this man is a positive energy guy and. Uh, I think that you're going to be absolutely enthralled with this conversation. And, hey, get the book to keep up. <laughs> that's right. So, again, that's audibletrial.com slash JKWD or text JKWD to 500-500. Get your free audiobook, free month at Audible. JKWDpodcast.com for show notes uh, for this and all the other episodes. But we'll have links to all the stuff we talk about here. Uh with Matt and uh with that maybe we'll uh we'll stop talking and play some music and on the other side of it you'll hear our conversation with Matt Javitt. See you in a minute. Teach you how to dominate your world. You ready? Here we go. 
on this planet are we finding you tonight? Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Oof. I've heard that's a very nice place. Yeah, it's been nice. We um we've had we actually leave tomorrow. We go to Singapore tomorrow. Okay. Um, uh, been here been here eight days. We like it. It it grew on us a little bit. Um. Yeah, it's 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 there's a uh, very 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 nice areas because there's a lot of money here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're we're staying in a more in a more authentic neighborhood where it's close to the culture. A lot of awesome markets. Um, there's a there's some street entertainment over the weekends. It was a lot of fun, and yeah, so it's been cool. It's we've got a nice mix of everything. Nice. Yeah. Good to hear. Nice. And how how does that compare to where you've been recently? Where am I getting my timeline right? Were you like Japan to Thailand to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Europe through the summer, six weeks in Japan. We just spent uh, two and a half weeks in Thailand, and now we're doing we're doing this whole Southeast Asia thing for about the next five months. Wow. So comparatively speaking, man, Japan's out of this world. It's just it's it's uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's uh, from what we've seen, it's the most comparable to the U.S. from a, like an infrastructure way of life type thing, but very different. Um, from their, with their traditions and, um, and they're just, they're super kind, loving, gentle people. It was, it was really nice to be there for as long as we had. Oh, nice. Um, Great. Cool. Well, that sounds uh, exciting. But just by way of intro of introductions, how do you, people ask you who you are and what you do? What do you, what do you tell them? Okay. So yeah, I'm Matt Javitt. Uh, currently I am traveling the world with my wife, um, out of a backpack. We decided to pack up, um, and leave in February, 2017 after about almost a year of planning and, uh, about four or five years of, of dreaming about it. We finally made it happen, um, almost 20 months ago. So that's currently, I guess my, I guess my label would be a traveler. Um, but also kind of a publisher as we're trying to work into some, some creative projects that we never had time to do in our corporate lives. Cause I was in, I was in corporate America for nine years as a um, technology sales professional. And my wife was a clinical pharmacist. So we had kind of those traditional um, jobs back home. And then we just uh, being married now, we've been married for 13 years. We had a lot of uh, dreams and goals together. And this was one of them to be able to take a kind of a mid career, midlife gap and uh, go, go see what the world had to offer. And, um, after a lot of uh, planning and and goal setting, we made it happen. Awesome. How did you kind of pick where you were going to hit, or is that something that's kind of in flux all the time? Yeah, it's uh, we we wanted to follow follow the sun because we only have one backpack a piece, forty six liter backpack. You can't really pack winter clothes, so we okay. knew that we wanted to follow the sun the whole time. Um, so we've been doing that. We were typically in summer spring um weather wherever we are and um and that's uh, so we started in south america worked our way through southern europe two months in india then went to vietnam south africa during their summer our winter and then um went went back to um europe and then now we're in uh japan and now we're back in southeast asia where it's staying staying very good warm climates Cool. Um, one of the things that we uh, 
talk about is is goals. But one thing that goes with goals is planning, and this is something that you like seriously had to plan. I mean, you had to deal with savings. You had to figure out if savings were starting to run low, how to make some money on the road. You had to deal with where you're going to go and how you're going to get there. Um, how much how much planning do you do, and how much can you leave to chance and still um, not feel like you were lucky to get out of it? Yeah, we, um, I guess on a, on a big level, getting up to the trip, we, I mean, there was obviously a lot of goal setting and we understood what kind of budget we're going to need and um, we're, we're, what we thought. We've actually adjusted and, and are working on a smaller budget than we thought based on um, scaling back some things. But when it, when it comes to the day-to-day and what we're currently doing, it is, a lot of it is, um, we look out as far as we want to or that we're comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like right now, we're actually booked on paper through January. We know where we're going over the next three months. We know what's what's coming up soon. Um, but there's been times where we we stay as flexible as we can um, month to month. Um, and we still we still attempt to leave some flexibility as far as the things that we're doing. But as far as like accommodation and things like that, because um, we knew that we wanted to kind of help solidify our budget a bit in these next few months. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because Europe was expensive, Japan was expensive. And we know that now that we're in Southeast Asia, this is a chance for us to save some money. So by booking the things that we have it, and booking them out a little bit and not being last minute, then it, it secures and it keeps our costs down as far as we can. So we, we attempt to be flexible. We've had times in our trip where we've, where we've called audibles and just said, Hey, let's go over here instead and, and do something more flexible. When we went to Japan, um, we were there, we knew we were going for six weeks. But we we weren't really we didn't know exactly where we we're going to be for those six weeks until about man probably three or four days before we landed in Tokyo. We knew we were going to land in Tokyo. We were knew we were going to fly out of Tokyo. But those six weeks moving around, I had a buddy at in the states that lived there for five years. We were leaning on him big time, but we hadn't really booked everything until about three days before we hit Tokyo. And then we and then we solidified everything. So it's kind of it's been a. Um, it's, it's been pretty fluid and Nikki and I will have conversations on it. Like, what do we want to see? Where do we want to go? And then as, as far as like, um, now that we're in this area of the world, um, Bali was real high on, on our list. We knew we want to spend some time in Bali. I'm anxious to go to Angkor Wat and Cambodia, see those ruins. So those were places that we had to go see, um, based on, um, our own hot list. And that's, that's how we, we kind of just talk through it. And then, um, depending upon flight prices, we look at flight prices, does it make better sense to leave on this Monday or this Wednesday? And then we just uh, try to find the best ways to keep all the costs down and then find Airbnbs or, or um, cheap accommodations to, to make everything work out. How about day to day? Are you kind of scripted as to what's going on or do you get a lot of time to just explore? Um, a lot of it's, especially now is weather dependent because uh, we're, we're caught up in a lot of these storms over here. Oh, um, yeah. So we get a nice day. Um, we had two typhoons when we were in Japan. Um, so if we get if we get nice days, then we'll uh, we'll definitely go explore, go try to go see some markets, walk around town. We'd love to walk around town. That's that's the best way to see things and um, uh, meet people. Um, or I'll I'll use different apps as well, like Meetup.com to try to find out what's going on in towns and go meet with some locals and talk about some things. But um, but yeah, it's day to day. Like like we, when we're um, we. 
if we schedule things that we know that's on paper, like we've got a travel convention coming up, this is the first time we're doing something like that. So we know what those three days are going to look like. We're going to go talk um, to some travel folks and, and see what's happening in Asia around travel. But if it's a, if it's a week where like in Kalua Lumpur, these last eight days, essentially we've had an open schedule. We know we had to work on some things because uh, we've got, we've got um, kind of the content commitments that were, that we have. So we have to produce some things there, but um, we just came off of two straight weeks with my buddy and his wife in Thailand. So we, we've been kind of, uh, kind of partying for a couple of weeks <laughs> on a, on a, we had a vacation within a vacation. So, um, so it was, we got back to kind of the, our grind. I mean, I'm true, full transparency. This is a blessing. We're living an unbelievable life, but our version of a grind is what we had to get back to in order to produce um, stuff for the blog and podcast and stuff like that. Mm. So I'm, uh, I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm sitting here going, how does one even conceive of this plan of, of moving, uh, you know, going around the world like you're doing? Like, I mean, I'm envisioning mountains and mountains and mountains of money. Um, you know, you're being funded by, uh, you know, I, I don't know who's funding you, but how, how does one even get to do this? Well, uh, so we worked really hard to, um, I was in technology sales. My wife's a clinical pharmacist. So once we worked through student loan debt, um, mm-hmm. we started saving and we're working on our savings. Um, and full transparency, I've said in other blogs, it's our other podcast, our budget, our monthly budget is four grand a month. So um, based on four grand a month and uh, the length of time that we're trying to travel, that's the budget that we're working off of. We don't, we're not making money on the road. Um, I'm, some of the things that we're doing, we're mm-hmm. hoping to monetize. But essentially, uh, we're not. Those are more investments into ways that we are improving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm real big on self-improvement, as is my wife. So these things are helping us get better with um, storytelling. Um, with storytelling, that converts into anything that you're going to do in life, okay. whether it's sales or anything. So, um, so th- what the things that we're working on from a creative standpoint, we're looking at looking at them as investments in ourselves and. Um, but potential ways to become monetized in the future um, if, if they continue to pick up steam and we, we gather a following and then we, we can make money that way. But we're just we're working off of savings, man. It's, and that's what it is. It's just uh, um, that's why that we don't we know when the end is when it, the end is on paper. Um, but um, if it if we can figure out a way to, to stay on the road a little bit longer, we're going to maybe try to do that. But at the end, it's, we always looked at this as a, a gap, a way to to um because we're healthy um we love traveling together we love being together um it was a way that we could that it worked in our lives to take two or three years to do something that not many other people have an opportunity to do um based best based on all the things that are working um in our life's favor if that makes sense so um the at the end of this uh i could end up going back to what i was not the exact job maybe i could but um I go back to selling technology. She, she goes back to being a clinical pharmacist. And then we just look back on three, three amazing years where we saw the world. Wow. So how long have you been married? 13 years. 13 years. And you, yeah. wow, really? Oh man. I, uh, okay. Write a book on how to stay married for 13 <laughs> years. I'll buy that sucker. Right. <laughs> I've been married three times and you know, I've had some good experiences, but you're traveling the world with, 
a single person that you've been married to for 13 years and you guys aren't killing each other. Yeah. Uh, hey, what's up? You know, what's up with that? T- you know, I'll, I'm buying that book. Just write it. I'm, it's, it's no, I know it. And what's, what's crazier is because we've met a lot of couples on the road and, uh-huh. and uh, we've met people on the road. It, if no matter what relationship you're in, when you travel together, that it takes it times 10 because you are on top of each other all the time. Um, so we see a lot of couples that we meet on the road and they're three or four days in their vacation and it's no longer fun. They're at each other. They're annoyed and they're ready to go back to work because they just don't want to be around each other. Um, Nikki and I, we, we traveled a bunch before. Um, that's, that's what helped us get the travel bug is because we had an opportunity. Um, some of it was through my, my um, success, my job. I got a chance to go on a few tri- uh, five really cool trips around the world. Um, and Nikki was there with me to experience that. And then we mixed in uh, travel on our own to places like um, Brazil and Argentina and Panama, the country and Croatia. So we knew that we loved to travel together. We knew we could do it well. Now this is totally different because we would always go back to our lives. But um, there were adjustments we had to make early on because we had to give each other space and to understand that. Um, because, again, at home, you've got rooms, you've got multiple rooms right. um, on, on the road. We're in the same room most of the time. And so we, we have to find ways, whether it's um, me going out and discovering the, the city on my own by foot or going to work out, her, she, her having her nose in a book. Uh, me doing computer stuff, whatever it is to create that space, even if it's we're still close um, in a proximity, but mm-hmm. we're just just doing our own thing. That's important so we can uh, uh, so we can stay sane together for sure. Wow. And you've been doing this for how long now? For three years? Uh, tw- no, 20 months. We've been on the road for 20 months now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you yeah. Know, hat, hats off to you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. Her. Um, absolutely. You gotta be amazing people. So your, your communication has to be stellar. It's on point. It's, it's gotta be one of those things where, um, you, you don't go to bed mad because, uh, you wake up mad at somebody that you gotta, you have to be around for the next 24 hours. It's not, <laughs> not fun. Um, so a lot of it is just the understanding of like, we're in this together. Um, let's make the most of it. Um, we do fight. I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're human. So we have those, but then we work, we try to work through them as quickly as we can, just understanding the consequences and, and just, um, just trying to make the most of everything. So, uh, yeah, we're, we are fortunate with each other. I, I got very lucky and to have somebody that is on the same page, um, with my passions and my goals and, and it's been my biggest fan. I'm her biggest fan. It's, um, we're, we're extremely lucky to, to be on this path together. Absolutely. So write the marriage book. Okay. That, that, <laughs> that buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's a good idea though. That might be something. It is how to stay, stay married when traveling neck and neck for like yeah. three years or something. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Uh, how much research do you do ahead of time on the places that you go in? Um, I think it depends. I think it's more, um, Nikki's great at discovering the things we need to see and, and digging in. Um, I'll probably look more at some of the history on, on, um, what the location offers, um, from a more of a cultural standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we share notes that way. We'll, we'll look at things and share notes and say like, and then I'll say like, Hey, I really want to go check out this neighborhood. And she's saying, let's go look at this neighborhood. But, um, 
I would say enough to make it intriguing, but uh, not too much that it becomes overwhelming and um, not ruins it, but um, kind of it, it makes it so you go in with a perspective when you want to still kind of be open minded a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it leaves leaves room for discovery. Is what you Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, do you do this sort of research like, hey, you know, here here it might not be safe for Americans here. It might not be safe for a woman to travel on her own. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's some of that. Um, again, but it's, uh, we, we, we do that before we choose. So okay. yeah, we, we limit, uh, there's been places we've avoided. Um, but there's been places where we've actually gone. And then after the fact, information comes our way that we're like, damn, I did not know it was that scary there. Um, for instance, South Africa. Now mm-hmm. we spent three months in South Africa, the, um, um, January through March this year. And, um, we, we, many, t- the locals would tell you on a regular basis, how unsafe it is. We never felt too un- uncomfortable. There were a few instances where you just got to watch your back. You got to make sure you know what you're doing. Um, I'm a big hiker. I like to go on hikes by myself. Um, the people, some of the people were saying was like, Matt, you don't want to do that. It's crazy. And, and just, I'm, I'm a, not that this matters, but I, I am six, six I'm a bigger person. So it, um, sometimes I, that gets foggy in my head because I've never, I've never had to, I've always, I've had to deal with things in the past, but, um, never threatening as we've traveled, thank God. So I always go about like trusting humankind and, and trying to do the best. But there were people that were telling us when we were in South Africa, like, dude, you should not do that. Um, be careful. But after we had left, we spent three amazing months there. Always never had any issues at all. But then um, at, after we, we were gone, information came um, our way. My apologies. Uh, I'm not sure if you can hear that. Yeah, sorry. You can't hear that. Sorry. I know how to end it. Yeah, you're in demand. That's a good thing. Traveling, they can still find you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's wild. I don't even know where that's coming from. Okay, Um, but but uh, just to pick back up. But after after leaving South Africa, and then information came our way. It is it is insanely dangerous there now. Um, And it's uh, from from a murder. um, There's also a a big rape culture, but there's a there's a the murder rate was much higher than we anticipated at now that we see different facts that it's top four in the world, um, from a murder rate. So, but, um, so many people would say like, Whoa, you should not go there, but we went there and we had an amazing time. We never felt threatened. And it is a gorgeous, gorgeous country. Amazing, amazing coastline. I went, I went deep sea fishing. Um, I walked on the, on the coastline. We got to go to safari. We got to do all these amazing things that you can't really do. You can't do a balance of all those, um, anywhere else in the world. And I actually wrote a, a, a long blog post about how uh, it's a, a guy's trip heaven. There's so many things that guys can do there. If you took, took three or four of your buddies and went somewhere, South Africa is amazing because it has so much to offer um, just from a coolness factor of all the different things they have. Um, but we let, later, this information came out and it's still hard because a lot of places you read it and you're like, man, is, is this real? Is it, is it really that high? But it was one of those places... In hindsight, I was like, man, that mu- it may have been that dangerous, but we really never felt it um, um, when we were there for those three months. And it's still a it's a, still a, a place where a lot of travelers 
um, destined to go on as they should, because Cape Town's, um, we, we had a chance to go to Cape Town for four or five years, three or two years. I, I'm sorry, a year before we made the decision, it helped us make the decision because the beauty of Cape Town is like nowhere in the world. Um, and it's, uh, it's just this gorgeous setting. It's like Denver on the ocean, uh, with the mountains and the, and the views. So, uh, so yeah, I guess that's a, that's a long way to answer your question, but it's, um, we've, we've only felt unsafe, uh, a couple of times. And some of the places that we felt really safe were places that we may have, we shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, to put that in perspective, the, yeah, here in the U.S., yeah, we, we talked to somebody who opened a, a school in Chicago, which um, I, I mean, you're from Indianapolis. You're not yeah. far from there. You know, it's a uh, as far as the U.S. goes, a very high murder rate, but people go there all the time. And, you know, absolutely. Either they don't get shot or they, you know, if they get murdered, you know, they come out fine. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nikki's, Nikki's from Chicago. Wanna, and this is. I want to meet that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this is, uh, these are, and these are things, these are the conversations that we have because as we, as we talk to people around the world and you get an understanding of their perspective on what they know of America, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's different because when, um, when you see headlines, cause that's the weird thing about media in general, you typically only see headlines from other countries when it's extremely negative. Right. You're never, you're never seeing a headline that says Indian man wins, um, 10 million rupee lottery. And now is going to open up a, a, a school for the under, you don't see those things. You only see like flood in Kerala, India or huge disaster in Bangladesh. You, you only, that's the only way that you see geography around the world is when negativity is there. So as we travel, um, it's interesting to see when we talk to people that have never been to America. Um, but they, but they, they know our pop culture better than I know it. They know all the celebrities and the movies, they know music. Um, but then they'll have points of view on, um, school shootings and big shootings and, and a lot of killings. So they have a viewpoint as well of, man, America might be dangerous because of all the things that are going on there. And it's crazy to think that because we, the things that we read about other places and our families are still like, you want, you want to go there? Are you sure you're going there? (laughs) And it's, uh, but it's like, are you sure that people will want to come to your neighborhood and, 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 and be around your city because um, it's dangerous too. And there's always, there's, there's danger and there's safety all around the globe. And it's, it's a matter of how you take it in. But I promise you, I, from my perspective, the, the world is so safe and um, it's getting safer and safer. Technology continues to help us in so many ways. Um, and it's, it's so it's extremely easy now to travel but um, you just feel safe along the way as well. Yeah, I'm a big uh, I'm a big law of attraction guy, and um, you know, part of that it says if if you're not inviting, if you're not concentrating on that, and you're not inviting it into your presence, it it won't show up. So, yeah. sounds like you have a a beautiful view of the world, and those are the things that are attracted to you, and not not some of the the trash that's in the news. So perhaps, Absolutely. perhaps that is, that is to your benefit, your view of the world and, and the beauty in it. Cause that's, that's what you see. That's what you find. That's what you attract. I'm a huge fan of that. I, my, uh, my only physical book book that I brought with me, I'm a big reader, but all this digital except for my only physical book is uh, as a man thinketh by James Allen. And a lot of that, 
um, attraction. Um, a lot of the things that, uh, that guys like Tony Robbins talk about today is based on that literature. And, um, absolutely it's a, it's a, it's a way of, and you got to remind yourself because it is a practice and, um, negative thoughts creep in all the time. And, um, but you got to remember, like if, if you let those, if you let your mind become negative, you will become negative. You're, you're, right. you're you are the world that you, that you want to, to build through your mind. And that's to your point. I try to make it as positive as possible um, and, and try to go about life that way. Awesome. So what's been your most exciting, uh, uh, exciting adventure so far? Um, there's probably a few that stand out. Um, so I'm a big sports nut. Um, so I've had a chance to see amazing. Uh, we, we did sumo wrestling in Tokyo. Um, Muay Thai fighting in Thailand. We saw these these motor motorcycle races around the island of Isle of Man in Ireland that were that were bananas. But when it comes to like, um, I'm more into like I love being around people. So we, we did a wedding in India. Uh, we did two weddings in India, and um, to be around uh, multi generational families in a big setting like that, mm-hmm. uh, and for them to welcome us and take us in the way that they did was tremendous. Uh, that's something I'll probably remember for the rest of my life. Um, Lisbon, Portugal. If there's if there's a probably a place that I love, it's um, Lisbon, Portugal. Really opened up my mind. Um, it's just such a fun city, and um, it's cost cost friendly. There's a ton to do, and they're they're extremely inviting. Vietnam, um, Vietnam as a country is just amazing, and uh, we're gonna go back and spend some more time there. But uh, it, they're very inviting. Uh, the dollar goes a long way there. And uh, they've, got, they've got gorgeous beaches. Nikki and I loved. We love to be close to the to the water and the sun. And so th- those those really play play to us. And the, and the people and the food, the culture and the food. Um, so yeah, th- those are probably some of the highlights. Um, uh, those those places. Uh, I know there's a, there's a ton more, man. I just I can list them. But yeah, it's been uh, it's been fantastic. Wow. So you've got the blog and you've got the podcast and you've got a new YouTube series. Um, how, I mean, ha- have you been able to rely on having internet wherever you go at this point? Is, is that just, is that a challenge sometimes? Yeah, it is a challenge. Um, and there's been, I, I wouldn't say stressful because, our level of stress on getting something <laughs> uploaded is not the level of stress I used to have. If I'm trying to close a deal or something, but um, <laughs> we've had stressful situations where uh, it uh, you just can't you just can't grab it. You just can't grab Wi-Fi, or you you're uploading something and then you spend 45 minutes trying to upload it and then you check it and it got canceled out because the the Wi-Fi killed itself. So yeah, we've had those. Um, but that said, uh, I'm, I'm proud to say that Nikki and I, we've, we've, we've done a, a, a show a week for over, uh, we just were posting our 35th episode this week. So to do that, um, in our limited amount of things that we have in our backpack and shady Wi-Fi around the world, um, it's really cool. It's, it's been fun to do that and, and to partner with her, um, in the process to, to, um, to kind of do that and is learn the process. Like we're not, we're not public speakers. We're not, this is not, we don't do these things. And for us to stretch ourselves in that way to do it, it's been a lot of fun. And now you're talking down with the YouTube series. Um, that's another creative adventure, a creative adventure that I really didn't think um, that just, that inspiration just came to me in a, in a barber chair one time. And I was like, I think we should do this. And we, we brainstormed through it. And 
it was one of those things where uh, I'm real big at not having regrets. And it was one of those things where I was like, man, if we don't do this, I'm going to have a regret. So um, we just talked to him like, let's make it happen. So, and that's something that when it comes to the video, like video and video, making videos and recording that I never, when we left this thing, I would have never thought that that would be something that we'd be, we'd attempt to do, but, um, but we're, we're, we're trying to do it and it's, it's getting some, it's getting some positive reviews right now. Awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about that series uh, for, for a little bit. So, so you're doing a docu-series um, on yeah, getting, a, getting a haircut, a beard trim, the next day, yeah. wherever you go. Um, how's that been? Yeah. So it's uh so what, I guess the, how it came about was um, I had been to all these crazy places getting these amazing haircuts and um, I, I always knew it was fun and it was exciting. It was something I could do on my own. Like you guys talked about, we're, we're on top of each other. So I would, I would give me a chance to get, get out of the house wherever and just go and, and venture off on my own and find a barber shop and, and get a haircut or beard trim or, or get my beard shaved up or whatever. But um, we were in Bucharest, Romania, and I did just that. I went out. Um, it had been a few weeks since I got a cut. I was feeling a little bit shaggy. And um, I, uh, while I was in the chair, the, the gentleman in, in uh, Romania spoke good English so we could have a proper conversation. And he was just asking me, he was really intrigued by my travel. And, um, but we started talking about the barber chair and my experiences. And I, as I was telling him all the crazy things that I'd been going through, um, whether it be like the dudes in Vietnam blasting uh, rap music uh, really loud while I was getting my hair cut or um, the small, tiny blades that the guys in Chile were using to, to edge me up. Um, basically just taking the the single blade out of the box and going straight to my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, as I was explaining these different things to him, um, I could tell by the way I was explaining it, that I had passion behind it and it, and it was exciting to me. And then to see his response um, as a barber and as somebody that likes travel, we, we had this amazing conversation for like seven or eight minutes. And, um, and then the cool thing about a barber chair is you just, all you have to do is just sit there and think, right? When you're in a barber chair, all you do is think. So then the next, the next 25 minutes when this guy is, we'd have conversations off and on, but as he's, um, as I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, maybe I should do something with this. And so I went back and told Nikki and I was like, I think I got an idea. I think, I think if I told stories about barber shops around the world, I think my buddies back home would would love it. And I think other dudes around, uh, around the world would like something like this. So they get a chance to look into a barber chair because it's something that guys like to do. And, um, you don't, you don't even think about like what, how they cut hair in India or how they cut, um, you know what I mean? How they cut hair in Thailand? Um, is it the same? And then once you get a chance to see, it's not even close to the same, it's a different experience in all these different cultures. Um, then it gets intriguing. And then, and then to be able to like put on top of that, the cultural aspect and be able to tell, tell kind of a story of the things that we're doing and, and be able to relay that back home to help. Um, Cause the big thing to me is there's, there's a lot of a, uh, it's still fear. There's like, it's like we talked about earlier. So there's just this fear mentality of what you read that you think the world is dangerous. And if I can some way help people, cause I just love travel so much cause I know what it's done to my life. If I can in some way inspire somebody to say like, like it's not, it's not, it's not as bad as what we're being told it is. It's actually really nice and inviting. If we can, tell a story that helps people um, go to Osaka, go to Osaka, Japan and experience what's there or, or uh, Zurich or wherever Tallinn, Estonia that we're putting on, on video now that if we can do that, then that's going to be awesome. 
So what's it been like for you to kind of lose that, that alone guy time now that you got yeah. Nikki, uh, standing there with the camera trying to squeeze yourself into a corner? Yeah, no, it is. It's, it was something that, um, as I was thinking about the idea, I was also thinking about that selfishly. Like this is one of the times I get to do on my own, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's still cool because again, it's another project and to see her, uh, get outside of herself. I mean, she's very science minded. She's a clinical pharmacist, um, heavily educated, awesome. Um, and just, um, through this process to see how, uh, amazing she's been. And then now I'm asking her to put a, an iPhone in her hand and squeeze into small spots and, and put the camera in the barber's face. Uh, cause all I get to do, I just sit back and relax and enjoy right. the, enjoy the event. And she's, she's been amazing, man. Uh, so to, to be able to experience that, it, it, it has adjusted my, my time in the chair, but I think it's, it's for the, it's for a good thing. So it's, it's a little bit different. How's your, um, What's the time in the chair like when you have a communication barrier, when you have a language barrier? You said the guy in the the guy in Bucharest uh, spoke pretty good English, um, but you know the guy. It looks like the the folks in Japan didn't speak any English. Yeah, uh, and and you were particularly in Japan. You were in those chairs for a long time. Um, yeah, that's true. It um it changes everything. It really does. It changes. Uh, cause the barber barber client relationship is, is a cool one. I can remember the first time I heard about Bitcoin mm-hmm. was from my barber, Matt back in Indianapolis. He, uh, he was the first dude that told me about Bitcoin. I was like, what are you talking about, brother? And he's like, Bitcoin, man, you can trade money online. I'm like, what are Stop. What don't <laughs> I was like, invest in Apple or something. What are you talking about? But, uh, but yeah, so the, the, the barber barber client relationship is real. It's awesome. But, um, with our situation and jumping around anyway, it's not like I'm going to have a good relationship, but when you can't even really talk about sports or um, even have anything to build rapport, body language becomes real important really fast. Um, Like I said, I'm a bigger guy. So when they first meet me, I can be a little bit intimidating, but I I try to work through that as quickly as I can for them to understand that I'm a nice guy. And then if we can just change niceties in some capacity to, to kind of just feel comfortable around each other, then I can, I can begin to ask questions if they have any broken English. If it's only, if there's no language at all, then it's more of me just taking in the experience, going through the process, watching the room. Cause that's a lot, that's a lot of the stuff I enjoy anyway. Just going to, if, even if we go to um, outdoor markets and we're just grabbing food, I just love watching and panning the room and seeing the chaos or the, or the stuff that's a lot like we experience in the U S and just looking for differences and similarities and, um, just kind of picking them up out and just and and um, logging into my brain. But um, so in a, in a chair, if there's an active barbershop and there's people behind us and there's maybe there's multi generational where you got a a grandfather type with a with a kid, just watching that interaction um, and just kind of just understanding it, it's, it just helps give a little light into what those cultures are like um, because a barbershop can teach you a lot. Um, it really can. And, and uh, being in a being in a situation like that, even if we're not speaking. I can still learn, you know what I mean? I can still learn from, right. from the situation I'm in. So you talk about markets. Uh, and, you know, here in the U.S., we've kind of lost that. You know, by and large, we've, we've lost the sense of a market. We, a lot of cities will have farmer's markets once a week for a few hours. Uh, but, you know, by and large, we're not 
going to the vegetable folks and then over to the butcher shop and you know you might go to the butcher shop if you've got a specialty you want but you know your grocery shopping is all done in one place and you know yeah. often in that place is also where you get you know your pharmacy type stuff it's also where you get uh, you know some grocery stores have have a clothing section uh, you know you can get everything in one in one big place where the vendors you know are really just cashiers and a couple of stock people around the place so you don't you don't see them um, you rarely talk to anybody else pushing a shopping cart so what um What's it like going to markets around the world and seeing so many different vendors and so many different people buying all their different stuff at different shops? It's uh, it is the quickest way to get a sense of um, what the culture is like. It is because uh, it, it tells it can tell you a lot if you go to and, and I guess to paint a picture better um, for those that have never had an opportunity to experience it because. Quite honestly, um, until I was in my late 30s, uh, mid, mid late 30s, that was the first time I saw it. And it was mind boggling. And it's, and it's one of those things that um, I'm, I'm, my brother's coming to Vietnam in February. It's one of the first things I can't wait to show him because it's one of those things that if you've never, if you've never really traveled outside the U.S. or, or even if you have, and, and, but outside the U.S. Is, is maybe like Cancun or the, or the islands or um, parts of that, you've never had a chance to really see a market outside of um, that's that's in a foreign country mm-hmm. there they are they can be chaotic um they can be extremely eye-opening because you get a lot of um, open air food a lot of it's a uh, uh, like fish that's straight out of the sea or uh, butchers butchering up meat and it, it's hanging there um uh, that's that's ready to be prepared for you to take it home and, and cook it right away but it's very open air so you, it's it's sensory overload because you get you got the smells. You're you're probably seeing animals that you haven't seen before, and and uh, you might see them in a bloody way. Um, and then and then um, and then, but they're set up next to the guy that's selling a bunch of t-shirts that say uh, "I love uh, Kuala Lumpur." <laughs> so you got you got all these different um, things going on, and, and as you walk through, you get it. You get also get a chance to see how they barter, either barter or they push what they're what they're trying to sell. Um, so India is very uh, in your face. We're trying to sell you. Um, we, we really want you to buy this. Where mm-hmm. other, like we've seen other markets, um, Japan, for instance, is very laid back, and there it's more inviting for you to come in there um, to to go experience it than them pulling pulling you in. So you get a sense really quick of of the culture and how they do things, and then and then you also understand is bartering an opportunity. If it's twenty, can I go down to ten? Or is 20 closer to 18? Should I be going down to five? Like, so you have to understand quickly, like, what are these real prices? And then, and then, so, and then some people might be like, no, dude, this isn't, we're not bartering here. These are fixed prices. So you, you, you have to go with the fixed price. But um, yeah, markets are amazing. And it's one of the things that we usually look for right off the bat is where the markets are. Um, and then, uh, but it's like you're saying, so it's a plethora of, of services. I just learned today, um, and I'm I'm kicking myself because I didn't know this earlier, is that um, the we're here in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, they do barbering in the night markets, but they only do it Wednesday through Sunday. Um, yeah. So, or, so yeah, Wednesday through Sunday, and we leave tomorrow. So I'm not gonna get a chance to see this. But the barber that I was with today, he said that 
um, Monday, I'm sorry, Wednesday through Sunday, they work from 7 p.m. until 3 a.m. And it's, it's fast, it's fast um, um, haircuts, but it's a chance for them to make a lot of money because a lot of people are coming in, they're jumping in the chair, they're doing their work under the lights, and they split their money 50-50 with the, with the boss man that owns the little piece of uh, area that they're cutting chairs in. So they, so when you're talking about services, it's not just like food and t-shirts and, and, and souvenirs. Now it's like, it's, it's getting your, getting your hair done, maybe getting your nails done for the women. Um, and then when you're walking, when you're walking the different streets of different parts of the world, um, you really get a chance to get pulled into these different shops that are along these different side streets. It's, it's my favorite thing to do, man. I can, I can get lost walking these streets and just uh, think, I mean, I, I, I use my Google Maps, but I usually just like look at it and then I just go and I just walk and walk and walk and just sense, I just, listen. I don't have the headphone in, headphones in. I just listen and, um, and try to make some sort of eye contact when possible to maybe drum up a conversation and then just, uh, just really see what, what the cities are all about. I, I did an open air, my first experience, I did 20 years in the military. So my first experience okay. with open air market was in Korea. And um, uh, if, if you, have you been there? I have not yet. Nope. Okay. Those, those open air markets were, that was real eye opening. <laughs> it is. Half the people like, though, don't eat in Korea, but wait a minute. There's a lot of, there's a lot of live Koreans here, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not killing everybody. Um, Absolutely. But the stuff that they had in, in the markets for food, you know, Americans would be like, no, you can't yeah. do that here. And they dress them all up and it's just like wild. So that was, I'm, I'm sure that the rest of Asia is similar to that. So um, yeah. yeah, that was quite eye opening. It really is. And it, as you get more comfortable with it, though, the, the food, man, the food is amazing at those oh, yeah. places because you're, you're getting it um, as close to fresh as it as possible, really, because mm-hmm. it's coming from like, off a boat into a market. And then if you got somebody there who's going to cook it up fresh for you, um, you got it right there in front of you. And, and that's what I've had these debates with some travelers um, that are more sensitive on their on their eating. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty adventurous. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to eating, so it doesn't bother me as much. But um, with uh, with some people, they won't even touch that. But I'm like, look, man, if if you've if you've never worked in a restaurant industry in the U.S., then you just don't know because um, I did. I worked there. I, I know what goes on in the back of the kitchen in, a, in major chain restaurants, and it's not all good. It's not like <laughs> <laughs> let's not think like because Anthony Bourdain even wrote the book, The Kitchen. I think it's called a uh, Kitchen Not Confidential. Kitchen Confidential. Kitchen Confidential. But, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a great book and it gives you insight like what goes on in kitchens. So if you think that like just because you ha- we have safety guidelines in the US that it's it's any better than what you're seeing. That's that's why I tell them like look, we get to look into their kitchen. We see what they're cooking right here. You see what they're mixing and you have a chance to walk away if you don't think it's clean enough. But if you find a vendor that you're like, "Okay, they're clean. I like the way that they're cleaning stuff. I like the the amount of heat they're using to to, to cook the food." Then you decide on it. Where in America, that's all behind closed doors. You don't even know what's <laughs> going on back there, and uh, what kind of rodents are back there and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. for me, it's one of those things where it's a trust factor, and um, and a lot of the the, the food is can be amazing. I've had bad food, of course, I've had bad food on the road, but um, um, some of the some of the good stuff is is really amazing, and price doesn't even matter. It's it's uh, some of the some of the best food has been super cheap. Yeah. 
had another friend that did that, that visited uh, uh, Vietnam, and she came back yeah. with incredible stories. Oh, it's amazing. Vietnam. It's what Vietnam your, is so cheap. What are three of your favorite meals that you've had with traveling? Um, so I'm a, we, I love Indian food. Um, uh, the Indian food's amazing. The, the, uh, cheese naan, butter naan. Um, I like the, I like the Viet, something about Vietnamese pho, the, the soup that mm-hmm. just opens you up with the spices and just eating that soup, even if it's hot and the spices just hit you and clears you out and, uh, gives you energy. Uh, I really enjoy that. Um, and then, um, I, I think, uh, I like, I like Spanish food. So we were in Alicante, Spain. Um, it's, I'm a big Spanish food guy. And then all, I guess my always, my staple is probably, um, Mediterranean, like with the mix of like, uh, kind of like that Turkish blend with like good, uh, really good hummus with pita with, uh, uh, the veggie kebab. We we laid over in Godoa, Qatar, and um, we went to a Turkish restaurant there. And man, they 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 took care of us with the big kebabs of uh, vegetables, and they had a little bit of lamb, and um, the hummus and the baba ganoush. Baba ganoush. Baba ganoush. I always screw that one up. <laughs> but yes, so that's that's probably my my main staple. If I had to choose one meal. But those the the Asian food really grows on you because the spice level. Once you get to the the once you start tasting their spices, it's almost <laughs> yeah. it's addictive. It's if you start tasting regular food, like where's where's the spice at? Why why <laughs> why, why is my nose running? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I didn't learn how to eat hot food till I went to Korea, right? And everything. Yeah. Was and, uh, it changes you too. After you have that, it's like man, you gotta have it spicy. Yeah, even even here, I you know I'll go to if we go to a Korean restaurant or a Thai restaurant or something, I'll, I'll say you make it like you would eat it. Yeah, and, yeah. And sometimes I regret that. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm sure. I was I was good up until I was about 35, and and at some point my digestive system started saying you might want to watch out, bud. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've woken up a few nights where I'm like, ah, man, that really burns still. And I, I, I ate that six hours ago. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, when you be careful when you say, yeah, I want it Thai hot. Yeah. Thai hurt you. Yeah. Like, like even in the U.S. it hurt you. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's probably even worse than U.S. because then they're trying to get you in a way. Like yeah. you, you don't, you don't even know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I used to go with this one guy. This I had a, a friend. Uh, his name was was Animal, is what we called him, and he could find the coolest, dingiest little restaurants in these alleys that I never would have gone down and go like, "You want to go try this?" And and for him, you know, if he didn't break out in a cold sweat when he started to, I mean, in, in a hot sweat when he started to soup, he's like, "This is this is nothing." So it's like. This guy's yeah. got sweat pouring on. Oh, that's really good. I'm like, man, I am scared to eat that. <laughs> it's going to melt the plate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. So, man, it sounds like you're having a really, 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 really great time. Now, have you had any, you know, we've been talking about the, the great time you've been having. Yeah. Have you had any, any downsides that, uh, that are worth mentioning? I mean, the, the, I some of the down, downsides, but. no, absolutely. But the downsides are, are obvious friends and family missing them. Um, 
We've got uh, a bunch of nieces and nephews that are in their early stages from, from zero. We actually had one born while we were on the road from zero to, to five. Uh, so not being able to see them in their, their really fun years. Um, being on the road has, has been, has, has stunk. Um, not being part of, like I came from a big um, co- corporate sales world. So uh, I was part of sales teams where we would sell things together. And so having that camaraderie with, with um, those folks, and then my buddies, I'm a big guys guy. I mean, that's part of why I started World Barbershop Adventures because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dude's dude. Like I like sports. I like drinking bourbon. I like smoking cigars. I just, I like doing guy stuff. So for me not to be around my buddies um, for this long has, has not been, uh, it's something I really miss. And that's why seeing my buddy last week in Thailand, I cherished that time with him. So that, I mean, those are, those are the, it's mostly just not being around the people that you want to be around all the time. They just can't be on the road with you. Um, that's probably been the biggest down, downside. We've, we've had a few weird run-ins, not run-ins, but weird things where I had to say something to somebody um, because maybe they walked, they, you could tell they were up to something. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've had some stuff like that, um, but nothing Luckily, we, we haven't, uh, and it might be because I'm extremely positive minded, but we haven't had anything crazy. It was a situation in Galapagos Islands. We were in that we were um, in the Galapagos Islands, which was a bucket list location for us. We had a chance to spend nine days there, and um, I got left at sea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, we went out on a, a diving, not diving. I'm a snorkeler, and I'm a bad snorkeler at that. And I'm not afraid either. I'm, I'm like, hey, give me the life vest because uh, I'm not trying to die. So, uh, <laughs> but I, so I take the easy way when I snorkel. But it was a situation where it was, it was rough. It was a rough day. We probably shouldn't even have went out. I think they admitted that later. But um, we had a bad, uh, a bad tour guide. And um, it's it's like anywhere else in the world that it's not, I guess, Western where, where you don't have to sign a waiver or you don't have to. Um, there's not certain things they have to abide by. So some of it's seat of the pants. And I think that that particular day we had an instructor that um, I don't think he did it often. Mm-hmm. And we went out into the sea and we're out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and um, we're going shark diving or short shark spotting around this rock in the middle of the uh, off one of these islands. And the, the waves are rough and um, I jump in there. I'm not a great swimmer. And we were, there's about seven or eight of us and we get in the water. And as you're going about, you're looking down, trying to see fish, mm-hmm. um, whether they're big sea turtles, sharks. Um, there's, there's like, a, there's a, all kinds of different sharks you might be able to see. Um, stingrays. There's a bunch of amazing light, night, uh, water light that I had a chance to see on different expeditions, not this particular one. But as I'm looking down, I'm looking up there, cl- the, the groups near me and I'm looking down, trying to see fish. And the waves are, are such that you can't really see much because it's it's um, the water's just it's too cloudy because there's right. too much going on. And as I kept looking up, they kept getting further and further away from me. And at one point I look up and they're they're far away from me. <laughs> and um, and uh, they were making their way to the boat, which was um a good amount away from this rock that I was staying closer to the rock, which I, um, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have because I could have gotten, um, closer. When I say rock, it was more like a, um, it's probably size of a, uh, probably half a football field. And then it was probably four or five stories high out of the water. One of those, it's more like a mini Island, but it's, it's a definitely a huge rock. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm staying near this thing. And as I look up, they're gone. And then, and I start to try to swim towards the boat which at this point is about 200 yards from me. 
And I'm just like, I can't do it. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm athletic and I'm physically fit, I'm, but I'm an, only an okay swimmer and I just can't make it. So I'm out there in the middle of the ocean by myself and the boat is, is just there chilling, waiting. And, but what I didn't know is my wife, so Nikki doesn't get in the water. She doesn't like fish. She's, she's kind of uh, scared of that stuff. So she, she doesn't get in. So she just, she just hangs out on the boat and sunbathes and kind of just takes it in. It's, it's an amazing time for her. But she's like, she's going off on the boat. She's like, what are you guys doing? Go get my husband. Like what? You can't just leave him there. And, uh, and they're like, oh, it's, it just give us time. Because they wanted to get everything coordinated before they brought, brought the boat closer to me. She's like, no, go now. So she's having this feud. And then there's actually people that were on the boat that were really well travelers and divers and, and very experienced in this. And they, after everything kind of happened, they, they, they basically said, this was not a good situation. These people didn't handle us at all well. Um, but they en- ended up coming. I ended up spending probably, probably 12 or 15 minutes um, we're in a location that we're looking for sharks. <laughs> by, by, by myself in the water so uh i guess that was probably the craziest thing that happened uh one of the craziest things that happened to us um i i thought it wasn't like it was funny at the time but i had like a little gopro and i was just like putting the gopro in the water just kind of trying to so later i could see like what was trying to look at me there wasn't anything near me um <laughs> that was scary but uh but I could also hear myself on the GoPro um, cursing, <laughs> cursing to myself about these people that had, had abandoned me. Oh, but um, yeah, Look, it was pretty interesting. Just for, you know, just to tell people how far away from the boat you were. I mean, if you've got a gym in the U S and it's got a fairly big lap pool, it's probably 25 yards one way. So it's, yeah. So, you know, four times each direction. Yeah, I was out so there. far away. Yeah. You were, you were out there, out there in open water. Yeah. And the, and the, the, I guess the, um, and I had a life jacket, but the other in hindsight would, um, when I, when I got mad about later and it was at that point it's over, but I was like, man, um, it was an area where multiple boats, it's not like they were the only boat in the Galapagos <laughs> islands that was going to this location on that day. Other boats were going. Um, so just that, that was probably my biggest potential hazard was another boat. Um, but yeah, it all turned out well. It's it's a I guess it's a funny story, but uh, but yeah, it's, you have uh, stories yeah. to tell. I mean, apparently, <laughs> yeah. this is evident. You you will have stories to tell. Uh, yeah, forever. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Man. So one of the things that Kelvin and I both enjoy is coffee, um, and uh, you've been to some places in the world, I don't know if you're a coffee guy, but you've been to some places with a pretty good coffee culture. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I'm wondering if you've got some, uh, I'm wondering if you've got some destinations for us and some <laughs> coffee related stories. We for need us. to build some dreams right now. We got to get out of, yeah. out of the U S. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am, I am a coffee drinker. Um, uh, probably three cups a day. Um, minimum. Um, and so I do, I do and try to enjoy the coffee wherever we are, um, a local, a local, uh, type of coffee. So I guess the ones that stick out are, uh, Vietnamese coffee. I'm not sure if you guys ever had that the way that they put the tin on top and they, they do it a little bit different. They essentially have like this, um, uh, it's, it's more a, like an espresso, if you will, where they have this tiny tin tin and they've got a filtered another tin, um, top to it. 
that has like a, a filtered hole and you put the the beans, which they sometimes they I've actually is that Thailand or is that that might have been Vietnam or Thailand, either one of them, they both have yeah, it was Thailand or Vietnam. They have um uh weasel weasel pea weasel poop. Weasel poop kind of coffee where it's actually comes from a, the poop of a weasel or something, but it's supposed to be really good. Um but they, they have that type of coffee, but they put they put the, the beans on top and then you pour the hot water through the tin into the um into whatever whatever little mug that you're having but it kind of kind of comes like an espresso style but it's super strong it's extremely strong it really kickstarts your day um so vietnamese coffee sticks out and then we've had all kinds of different um uh, uh, ways to make coffee all kinds of different containers um a lot of you're a lot of different european um whether it's the, the different t- types of french press they call it uh, different names uh, we've seen it called uh it was, I think it was called a plunger in South Africa, but it's the same idea of a, of a French press where you push it down um, to, to get the, the beans separated. But yeah, it's, it's been amazing. We haven't, we were supposed to go to Kenya um, and that would have been nice to have Kenya coffee um, straight from out of Kenya, but there was political turmoil during the month that we were supposed to go there. So we ended up veering, we ended up going all the way out to Vietnam, but, um, but we, uh, we were supposed to spend a month there. And then um, I'm trying to think of some of the other hot spots. We we have not been to Colombia yet, but we've been to South um, South America. They had amazing coffee there as well um, in Chile and Peru. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's not the same. Um, the taste is relatively the same, but the process of making it um, is is really creative in some parts of the world. Yeah, I was in Israel, and one of our experiences there was to travel uh, for a night with with a nomadic tribe. They had set up a tent um, and were stationary for a couple of weeks. And it, part of the evening's entertainment was uh, was a musical piece. Where one of the things they were doing as their percussion instruments were actually coffee grinders. So they were they were oh, tamping wow. down the they were tamping the, the beans into grounds, you know, as, as, you know, into, in a vase that, that would make it sound. And, wow. and they threw that and that was like espresso. And I think none of us, it was a college trip. So, yeah. and, and this was back before Starbucks and everything was everywhere. So, yeah. um, you know, we weren't all big coffee drinkers yet. And, and so I think none of us slept for two days, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But that was, I remember that being a particularly strong experience. And, yeah, and it's interesting really, because, and really involved, because it involved everybody, you know, yeah. there you could actually see it happening. And it's, it is, um, because we're so used to getting large coffees, um, yeah. that most, most of the world is not, it's mostly smaller and it's really cool. Even like when we were in Italy and Sicily and you see, um, um, you see the stations, the cafe and the coffee houses where it's essentially stand up only where, where uh, the people come in, they just stand up like a, at like a bar top even, and they just get there's their order. They put their, whatever it is, a, a Euro or a half a Euro down and um, they get their espresso, they shoot it and they're off back off to their day. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's kind of a different mentality that we have where we're like, Hey, let's enjoy the coffee and the flavor. And it's more of like a, um, it's like a process of drinking it where they're just like, I just need a jolt of energy 
give it to me now and uh, bang, I'm back back to my day. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how I like that. Maybe we'll go try that. All right, Josh, let's figure out where we're going to go to drink coffee. Okay. Got. Yeah, well, and we both drink it black, so, so we're That's okay how I drink it. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're okay in Italy. I, I hear they make fun of Americans who, who order milk in their coffee after afternoon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Um, All right. So, um, man, I, I mean, I'm still trying to conceive of this this trip that you're on. And um, after it's all said and done, I know you said a few a, a little while ago that you're not a you know you're not a regrets guy, but after it's all said and done, what is it that you really want to feel? What is it that you really want to say about your experience during this time? Hmm. Um. My. Well, I I think it's it's one of those things in in life where. Um, I think maybe I won't really know until uh the the final chapter is had and my my book closes but my my hope is is that whatever this chapter brings and all the experiences that we go through um and the the hopefully it changes me in a positive way not that i this i think we all need to continue to evolve and become better and Mm -hmm. um, work to become the best version of ourselves and my hope is, is that whatever this experience is and um, however long it lasts, um, that I walk out of it into my next chapter of life, um, changed for the better. And that um, what that when people see me, that they get a sense of um, of who I am without even understanding my story. If that makes sense, I know that I'm more empathetic now than I than I was before I left. And um, and I, I I always thought I was an empathetic person, but I, I wasn't. Um, cause I would, I would, I would always have this thing where everybody can, can do, um, if you work hard, you can, you can become anything. I still kind of have that view, but, um, seeing parts of the world, there's challenges ahead of them that we cannot comprehend. And, um, I, I think I'm more, uh, I understand that a little bit clearer now that I did, um, ignorantly, uh, probably four or five years ago that I thought that like, no, if, if they work hard enough, they can do it. I've, I've seen, I've seen true hustle. Um, and that's the thing is like, we, we, I think we throw around the word hustle in America very casually. Mm-hmm. I've seen it real. Um, I, 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 I understand. I, I've, I've seen four year old girls in the middle of India selling um, trinkets on the streets late into the night. Um, and they're running a shop. It's not like their their mom might be within the block, but she's not sitting with her doing what she's doing. I mean, it's real. These kids hustle and they understand hustle early. Um, and I've seen it as old as uh, we were in um, Ayacucho, Peru. Um, and there's women that, that roll down wheelbarrows and they cook food out of the world wheelbarrow. And they sell they sell amazing sandwiches that I eat six of. <laughs> they, <laughs> they sell them all day long. And it's not like it's, it's not a four hour shift. It's a 14 hour shift. So, um, and they're in their seventies. So I, I, and that's the thing is like, um, I had a perspective of anything's possible and you work hard and did it. That's, it's kind of an American dream thing. And I think it's, that's why it's called an American dream because, um, 
there's there's infrastructure and there's things put in place in America that makes it possible. Some parts of the world, it's just, man, these some of these people can work as hard as they want and become skillful and savvy, but there's restrictions that are put on them that um, make it damn near impossible for them to break through. And then when you when you build the natural disasters and some of the things that affect their lives, it uh, it's an uh, it's an extreme uphill battle. Um, that so so I guess that's a long way to answer your question. That hopefully when when after all this is said and done, uh, maybe people see me as uh, a, a maybe a little bit more thoughtful and caring and uh, um, kinder from this journey. Um, and then maybe they 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 maybe I I sense that change and then I continue to build upon it based on everything that I've lived through and, and the people I've met and the relationships we've built along the way. Great. So you're 20 months into a planned roughly 36 month or so journey. Um, ish. Uh, are you starting to see that you're halfway, a little bit more than halfway and that you're kind of going to have to start thinking about um, reentry at some point? Um, is yeah. that on your radar yet? It's not, it's not on our radar yet um, because of the, 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 where we, where we are in our journey. I think that, so we come back to the States in May um, mm -hmm. and then we're going to spend the summer in the States, hanging out with friends and family, um, hopefully travel around the U S a little bit, like we've been doing other parts of the world. Um, we've got some pockets of the merit of the U S that we want to spend time with people. And then we're going to go back out on the road um, for another nine months or so, but um, it'll probably be, uh, so May May 2020 is when the budget's due to run out, and and based on that, it'll probably be around December January of that year of next year where we really start to say, okay, what what is it? What are we trying to do? Um, what's this next chapter look like for each of us? And then um, plan accordingly with that, um, whether it's re-entering re where we left off or it's uh, trying to 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 build the next chapter. But at the same time. We, we are working on other things now um, that uh, could create a cushion mona uh, monetarily, but um, could also maybe open a door as well um, when you're talking about um, the creative things we're working on. Um, we, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to say, and I've always been kind of open uh, to, to opportunities as they come our way. I'm, I, I listen to everything that comes my way and, and it doesn't, uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, kind of hole in on something that might not be what, what's that next phase is supposed to look like. So we're trying to stay open, but I, we keep our skills up. Nikki continues to work on her clinical pharmacist, um, stuff and she's very passionate in the medical field. And, um, she, she stays on her continuing education. Um, when I like talked about meetups, I meet people, I meet technologists around the world. I continue to study technology. I continue to study ways to, to better my skills in the business world, um, in, in the sales community. So we, we keep, we keep, I'm keeping all my, um, contacts, um, in the loop. I, I, uh, I'm a good networker. So I, I keep those folks informed that they could help my decision-making process later. But the real, the reality is, is I, I have no idea what could come our way based on some of the stuff that we're working on. And, um, uh, I'm going to be open to, to what it, what it brings because we're blessed with the ability to be flexible and um, we've lived a lifestyle where we had nothing. And that's the coolest thing about our story. I talked about saving that money 
and starting our journey with the cushion because we because we worked really hard and um, I was successful in my job. She was successful in hers. But at the same time, we early in our marriage, we didn't have anything. We had nothing. Um, we were we were negative, way negative. Um, so we know what it's like to have nothing. And so we're comfortable with that. Um, and and the, 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 the reality is, is the way that we live now is like we're, we don't have anything because we we can live. The Kulun Lepore, man, we're eating for man, probably $14 a day and we're staying in an Airbnb. So we don't need a lot, which gives us. And that's that's I guess that's part of the message that the the less you have, the more you can do. Like the, the less things that the world is telling you you need. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't want to get down this whole minimal minimalization focus, but that's what gave us our flexibility is the fact that we didn't, we've never been one that needs a lot of things, but we value experiences and we want to do, we want to get a lot out of life. And so that's, I think that's going to help us be extremely flexible in the future that when it's time to make these decisions on what's next, we're not going to have to make them based on, we need to make X amount of money. It's more of, Hey, we need to make money, but we don't need to make a lot of money. So how flexible can we be on? Let's make sure that we're extremely happy in this next chapter that we're, we're fulfilled um, doing what we want to do. Awesome. Love that. Did you have to uh, learn a lot of logistics um, type stuff? Like how do you handle banking and transferring money and, currency swapping, that kind of stuff. Um, and how do you get around in different countries? Like what's the learning curve like that, like on that? So the biggest, I guess a great tip for your listeners is, uh, if you're traveling internationally, get a Charles Schwab account. Um, we tell this often, it is the best account to have because when you pull money out of the ATM, you don't get charged fees. And if you get charged a fee at the end of the month, they give you all the money back. So when it comes from currency, for, from a money's perspective, um, I've kind of always done our financials within our family here. Um, and mm-hmm. um, so I had, to, I had to rebalance a lot of money before we left. Just from a security standpoint, you don't want all your money sitting in the same place. Right. So but I handled all that before we hit the road. But um, Charles Schwab is how we pull out our money because it's, it's, uh, it's free. It's, it's 100% free. And it's I actually met a, we were in the Galapagos Islands again. We were on a boat in the Galapagos Islands. And I met one of the VPs in Charles Schwab and I was like, dude, thank you so much um, for having an amazing ATM policy. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I said, your ATMs internationally, no fees. He didn't even know it. And I was just like, I was, I was like, how, I said, I don't know how you guys do this, but um, please keep doing it because it is amazing. I, we've, we've probably gotten back. We've been traveling for 20 months. We're very cash heavy because um, sadly I can't use a lot of credit cards because I could have got a lot of points for different stuff. But we're so we we've seen credit card activity. We've seen how credit cards get stolen on the road. So mm-hmm. we we've avoided it. Um, we've actually saw in Santiago, Chile, we saw a hacker with a laptop at a restaurant stealing credit cards. Um, we saw it firsthand. So we know it's real. It's it is out there. So we don't we use mostly cash. Um, so it has saved us thousands of dollars on the road um, because it's probably we, also we, saved you bartering too because hundred percent. Yeah. Cash is cash is king. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they're they're paying 18, 20, 25 percent in credit card transaction fees. Yes. Yeah, and when you pull out ATM, you're you're getting the best because I've checked it over because I always thought Schwab was getting us because they were giving us an unfair um uh, exchange rate. 
but it's not the case. They give you a great exchange rate as well. So I pulled the out, out the ATM at the, with, at the proper exchange rates and I'm not, um, um, I'm not hurt in any way. And then from the logistics standpoint, as far as like uh, hotels, transportation and all that, um, I've always, that's, I guess it's a skill I've always brought to the table. Um, I've, um, I've probably crafted over time as a sales professional. I was, uh, my main job really was facilitating fun with my, um, clients right. and making sure they had a good time. So it was, it was a lot of, Hey, let's meet at this restaurant at this time. And then I'd get there early and talk to the right people and say, Hey, I know this guy likes this, make sure you bring it over and think things like that. So, um, I've always been really good at um, coordination and making, th- making sure things are smooth. Um, through uh, timing and things like that, because I've I've just done, I've done it for so long that uh, it's kind of second nature at this point. So all that all that coordinated, that, that kind of falls on my plate. And then Nikki um, Nikki's great with understanding where we want to stay, what neighborhoods are are the ideal neighborhoods for us to take in the most stuff. Um, she's great at finding us um, accommodations, and uh, we just we just team up that way. She knows I'm going to handle all the flights and transportation. I know that she's going to make sure that we're in the right neighborhoods. <laughs> Good stuff. Good. Yeah. It's good teamwork. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Good teamwork. Well, excellent. Oh, man. I don't, that's, I mean, the whole thing is just so incredible to me. And I'm like, you know, so now you're making me think about minimalism and <clears throat> if I didn't want to eat in Korea, but I might have to do it when I go to Vietnam. <clears throat> and, uh, and you're writing the marriage book on, so. Yeah, yeah. We we got it all here. Um, I don't know um, what. This is a question that Josh normally asks, but what is it we haven't asked you that you wanted to tell us so far? Um. Hmm. That's a good question. Um. I think you covered it. I. I uh, I'll tell you this. I tell you the. Um, I guess it's something that I've learned that I was not really aware of. Uh, I, I guess I kind of knew it, but I didn't know it at this level. Mm-hmm. Is the effect and the um, the power of American culture, and whether it's our music, our movies, uh, our celebrities, it is. It is our most powerful thing as a country, and I had no idea it was as strong as it, it was. I, I I knew I knew it was uh, it was big, but to go in some of the smallest towns around the world and to ha- to jump into a cab and they're listening to to American music, um, it's it's been overwhelming to to understand the power uh, of. I guess that's our. I guess Amer- that's America's superpower is innovation. Um, our ability to be resourceful and think and um, and the, the creativity that's coming out of uh, America as far as music and movies and television and what stuff, the stuff that's on Netflix and mm-hmm. um, because uh, it changes these cultures. Uh, it changes the way they talk. It, um, I met a kid, I met a kid in a, it was uh, Nara, Japan. He had a hip hop shop. And he was wearing a Tupac shirt. Um, he had his hat. He had the hat like to the right. I think he was even wearing like a headband. And um, 
I knew that this dude, like the, 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 he got all of this from YouTube or movies or, cause I talked to him. Mm-hmm. I was like, Hey buddy, I love your, I love your shop. Cause I want to hit a really cool hip hop. Um, like a, it was like a hip hop t-shirt shop. Mm-hmm. And I went in there and I was like, dude, I love your shirts. Cause he had like these old biggie, small shirts. And, um, he just had all these like old hip hop stuff. And I just, I started talking to him and I was like getting to know like how he started the shop and all this stuff. But I could tell he had, cause he told me he'd never been to America. And, but he's so influenced on the culture that every, I saw this guy, like, cause he's, his shop was right on the corner from our hostel that we were staying at. And I saw, I saw him three different times. And every time he was dressed in extreme hip hop wear. And I was just like, man, this, he is He's doing, he's, he's living like a kid that lives in LA, but he's here in, in Nara, Japan. And that's the, that our, our, our culture extends that far. Um, and it, it was amazing to see that. Um, and that's, he's just one example that I've seen it so many times that, um, uh, it's, it's been remarkable to know now the power of the internet, uh, our, uh, our culture is looked at in, in the, uh, with the highest regard and they try to imitate it everywhere around the world. And they watch us, they watch what we're doing. Um, they, and they understand our culture very deep, but at the same time, when it comes to sports, things that I'm very passionate about, um, like, uh, sports and, um, and about like NFL and, uh, the NBA, they don't, people don't care as much. So the stuff that you thought that I thought was important isn't as important because when I was in South Africa trying to find the Super Bowl, I couldn't find it. Nobody even cared. Like I had to stream it through my, through my, um, I had to hotspot my phone and stream it to my laptop cause I couldn't get anywhere because nobody even cared about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even, it's unless you're in a, a town that's catering towards Westerners, um, they're not going to show NFL games. Um, where I thought, like, no, everybody likes the NFL. Nobody, nobody cares about the NFL. <laughs> I mean, soccer, soccer around the world—that's that's a sport. Uh, soccer is the sport around the globe. Um, but when it came to the NFL, it's something that uh, they they don't care as much about. But when it comes to mu- music, movies, and television, man, they they know what's going on um, all around the world. What's happening in America? Wow, that's that's cool. Also potentially scary <laughs> yeah, yeah so, hey, uh, creators watch what you're putting out there <laughs> yeah so potentially scary because you know i wouldn't have expected that that we had that kind of effect around the world um i don't necessarily see that on the news but but come to think of it i've looked at some uh, recently i've looked at some japanese music and uh and some Korean music, and yeah, I, I see that in the music there, but I, I'm not thinking of it because I'm here, so it's like, okay, I'm like, oh, well, that looks like us. But from from your perspective, you're like like out there like in, you're out there in the other world, so that's a yeah. whole different yeah. that's a whole different perspective. So yeah. we had some yeah, it's interesting. We had some Chinese students in my uh, in my grad school class, and um, they came over for the first time. They thought everything was going to be like friends. so matt where do you want people to find you online where do you hang out the most yeah so uh passportjoy.com is the easiest way um all my socials are on there all nikki's socials are on there 
And um, that'll give you the gateway to our podcast. That'll give you the gateway to World Barbershop Adventures. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's PassportJoy.com is the easiest spot to find us. Great. Awesome. And we'll have a link to that and to uh, the uh, YouTube stuff and, and to your Instagrams and those show notes and everything. Cool. Cool. Well, Thanks so much for in, 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 in yeah. Thank you so much and um, love your insights and just, you know, some of us who even think we got it going on, some just stuff we don't know. <laughs> you yeah. know this has been, and, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. When Josh told me we, we were interviewing you and I'm like, hey, so, okay, so what's a big deal about a guy who's going around the world getting haircuts in different places? So like, what's, what's the deal? And uh, well, I, I see what the deal is now. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm glad we interviewed you. You're, you're, uh, you are in it. You've been an enlightening conversation. Uh, seem to be one incredible human being and you get along with your wife in real close spots for a long time and <laughs> write the wedding book. I mean, get, send me that. <laughs> send me the drafts. I'll just take the drafts. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for, for showing up. With yeah. Me. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Thanks, Matt. I'll see you. Bye-bye. Best of luck. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thank you. and more at jkwdpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week. Bye! A Better Humanhood Production.